Can you give it up for Pastor Shayla and Pastor TJ in Coastal? What a great church. Come on, give up some noise for being a part of a great church. And while we're at it, I want to thank both of you so much. What amazing leaders that you have shepherding your church. Your pastors are humble. They are kind. They love you. They serve so diligently, and they've become great friends of mine. Would you just honor them one more time for their service and their... And for all the volunteers that serve here that make a difference, those guys in the AV and ladies, the people that are serving behind the scenes, our musicians, our first impressions team, the people that are taking care of your crazy kids, yet everybody that makes this church amazing, give them a round of applause. What a beautiful bouquet of nationalities you are here. If I was living in Florida, man, this would be... The church I'd be going to, I'm not telling you a lie. Really excited to be here. It took a couple of years for me to get here, but I am so thrilled to be in the house. In fact, I kind of want to help you grow spiritually today. So regardless of what you believe about the Bible or where you land spiritually, I think that there's some nuggets for you today. If you just press in and lean in a little bit, God's going to do something great in your life. I, a couple of years ago, was super stoked because my pastors invited my wife and I to their daughter's wedding. And I thought that was amazing because I'm under no presumption that just because I have a pastoral relationship that I should get invited to his kid's wedding. So I was very, very excited because I love weddings. No, I, I know you gave me that little casual laugh like I really love weddings. Last night, pastors TJ and Shayla dropped me off to the hotel I'm staying at, and there was a ton of weddings there. And I was like, oh, my gosh, somebody get me into this wedding. I'm about to crash this wedding because I love weddings. I turn up at weddings. I show out at weddings. Some of y'all still don't believe me, so I brought evidence. Throw up evidence number one, please. There you go. See your boy dropping it like it's hot. I'm 48, so I pick it back up like it's lukewarm. I'm kind of slow. By the way, that is my wife that, that I'm twerking on, okay? I'm a pastor, so that's called twerkship. When you twerk. <laughs> unto the Lord, of course. She wasn't ready. She was trying, but she wasn't ready. I love, love, love weddings because I love to dance. And I don't know who created line dancing. I think white people did, but I'm obviously black, and black people like to take things and modify it, right? And so, you know, line dancing usually is like, where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. Black people line dance different. We wobble. We just line dance different. Beyonce's making country music now. It's over, everybody. And if you're stiff at a wedding, this is what's going to happen when I'm around. Evidence number two, we're going to Macarena. We're going to drop it low, 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 low. If I'm around, because I don't play games at weddings. I love it. When I come to a wedding, I come with the right posture. 
That's how you know somebody's serious at a wedding. If you see somebody with this face at a wedding, they didn't come to play. <laughs> Look at my face. I, I smell something. It just, I was, it was a stank face, right? Look at homeboy up here. He's trying to do my face, but he can't. He ain't got the sauce. Okay. What's even cooler was that my pastors invited my entire family to come to their daughter's wedding, which is amazing because como se dice, weddings are expensive, okay? Especially if you get married in New York. So I was so thrilled. I was thinking about what am I going to wear? What am I going to drop it like it's hot to at this wedding and show everybody I'm that dude? What, what, I, I thought about all the details and then like a bolt of lightning, something struck me and I realized that I live in New York, but my pastors live in Memphis, Tennessee. This was not going to be a business trip. This was going to cost me a lot of money to go to this wedding. Now think about it. We'd have to get four airplane tickets, four new outfits, including three for my fashionista wife and two daughters. Oh, that, that meant Uber costs. That meant meals. That meant all different types of stuff. And I would have to give my pastor's daughter a really good check in the card envelope because they know how much money we make and I couldn't be cheap. <laughs> With this invitation came a litany of expenses. And I know because I've been married for 25 years this year. And I know. Yeah, it's a long time. My life was like, Wayne, what you going to get me for our 25th anniversary, boy? I said, girl, nothing. Because <laughs> if you look at our Discover card, you discover that we just paid off that wedding from 25 years ago. <laughs> Kevin Hart preaching today. So, um, have you ever been excited to respond to an invite to a party, a wedding trip, or maybe a golf or hunting trip, and you knee-jerkingly said yes before you counted the cost? And all of a sudden, you had remorse for saying yes so quickly. Your girlfriend invited you to be a part of her wedding. And you're like, girl, I can't wait to be in your wedding. I'm going to get my edges snatched. And girl, I want the off-the-shoulder dress. And she said, great, it's going to be in Cancun. And you're like, girl, I can't come. Because you know what your bank account is saying. It seems as though the opportunities that we get, we often don't pause to consider the cost. And so today, we'll be reading from a New Testament book written by a guy named Luke. Luke was a doctor and a follower of Jesus that wrote down the words, the ministry, and the teaching of Jesus so that modern audiences like you and I could press into ancient truth for modern purposes. And thank God we have an LED screen because he was a doctor and he probably had bad handwriting. But today, you're going to be able to make out what he has to say. And before we get into the text, we have to understand that everything that we're about to read is rooted in party. It's rooted in a concept of banquet. So banquet in the scriptures or weddings or parties are synonymous with the kingdom of God. And all of us, regardless of what we believe about God today, have this invite into the greatest wedding story ever. And before Jesus gets into this story, he lets us know that there's this master that has sent out invitations to a bunch of people. And he got some lame excuses in response. This wedding feast is for everybody, but they say, oh, I've got other things to do. So he widens the invite to include the blind and the crippled and the lame. Because the master in this story, well, he's got cheddar. He can make it rain. 
He got that dinero, yo. He's got all the money. He wasn't like me and my ratchet wife, right? We're both ratchet. And um, we only invited people to our wedding that could help us pay off the wedding, right? Like that was, I'm like in the church parking lot, like who got a BMW? Let's invite them. Who got a Mercedes? They're going to help us pay this wedding off. We were just, you know, ghetto, okay? So <laughs> this is not what's happening in the text here. This person invites everyone because, again, it's synonymous with the kingdom of God. And so we're told that Jesus says some profound words. He says, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to him, now, now think about this. Jesus is the trending rabbi of his times. He is the person that's causing the most disruption, and he is causing the most confusion on people that were really religious. And for spiritual leaders and business owners in this audience and at our other location, uh, all of us that are service providers, this is the moment that we really want. We want to get to that moment where there's crowds following us, and they're buying our services, and they are into us. And this is not the time that you want to screw up your significance. And yet for all, Jesus turns to this audience that is included of people that were super religious. They were called the Pharisees. Not only did they believe that they should be invited to every party, they thought they were the party, that they were in like Flynn. And Jesus says some words that are challenging to that original listening audience, and it actually should be to us as well. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That is a tough sentence to swallow, everybody. Now for maybe not you, but for me, this would be a hard thing. What would be easier is if Jesus just said something like, all you have to do is hate your father-in-law, your mother-in-law, your ex-wife, your sister-in-law, and your stepchildren, but he doesn't say that. I could easily hate Elon Musk's life, but he says something different. And in a culture that extols a version of love that's so sugary at best, Jesus is calling us to action. He says that unless you hate your family and even your own life, don't even RSVP to my invitation. He goes a little further. He says, I have to be more than your people. I have to be more than your possessions. I have to be more than your own sense of personhood if you're going to follow me. And this is an indictment to our 21st century mentality about ourselves because all we do care about is our people and our possessions and our own personhood. And Jesus, at the height of his career, at the height of his ministry, raises the bar, makes the standard higher, makes the demands more absolute and more exclusive, and all the superficial disciples start falling off. <laughs> Why does Jesus use the word hate here, especially in a culture where we always are thinking about our haters? It's not the same term. In fact, it was a term that Jewish people use in terms of love and hate. It expresses preference. It's a Semitic expression to talk about loving something or someone less. So similar to our penchant for comparing costs, Jesus says, hey, if you're going to love me, there has to be a chasm between loving me and what you love next. He says boldly, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And when we think we can escape, when we think that we're all done, he still barrels down and he says, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Why? Because Jesus knows it's free to accept an invitation, but it's costly to make a trip. All right, I'm going to confess. 
I'm a, I, I'm a rehabbing Pentecostal. <laughs> Which means I'm like on the verge of relapsing today. So for our friends from different denominations and stuff like that, you're going to watch somebody relapse a little bit, all right? Because I get fired up preaching about this kind of stuff. In other words, Jesus is saying you've got to carry your cross. What does that mean? It means to bear a burden or to have some pain or to bear some suffering. So imagine how the listening audience must have bristled when Jesus said you have to bear your own cross. They knew that a cross was a one-way destination toward a death. And so he says you have to be a disciple. Many of us believe that Jesus existed. That does not make us a disciple. Many of us believe that Jesus can save us. That does not make us a disciple. Many of us believe all different types of things that make us a Christian, but not a disciple. But if there's anybody in this room today, I want to let you know that God is trying to get something else out of us. He's trying to get us not to be church attenders on Sunday. He's trying to get something out of you to make you a disciple. Say yes. I feel like preaching this thing now. The word disciple means learner. So all I'm going to say to you is that many of us and those watching online may be Christians, but you're a disciple only if you continue to learn. Because here's what I know. We love our relationships more than Jesus. We love our sports teams often more than Jesus. We love all different types of things like pumpkin spice lattes in October more than Jesus. But can I say to you, just because you come to church weekly, but don't bear your cross, does not mean you're a disciple. Those who attend a life group, but don't bear their cross in the workplace, does not mean you're a disciple. Those who pray a prayer at the end of a service, but do not become a disciple by following Jesus. All I have to say to you is it doesn't mean you're lost. It just means that you're not a learner still. So I'm here to agitate you a little bit. I'm here to push your faith a little bit. I'm here to stir you up. I'm here to put some passion in your gut and your belly because I want to let you know that consideration is a costly, but discipleship is. Just because you consider yourself a Christian doesn't mean it's costly. <laughs> Years ago, I moved to Indianapolis with my wife and my family, which was amazing, from New York City, where we were paying like $5,000 a month for a 900-square-foot apartment. <laughs> And you move to Indianapolis and it feels like you're in heaven, right? And we got to build our first home, which just makes you feel bougie. When you can build it from scratch, you start chewing your gum different. So we start chewing our gum different because we're boozy now. And we're in the shop and they're telling us all the things we can have. So we're like, ooh, we want French doors on our bedroom. We want the washer and dryer upstairs. We, we want it on the second level. No more laundry mat for us. Oh, no, we want those knobs and we want the boozy thick carpet. <laughs> and we're chewing gum and going back to the office with the representative and he adds everything up. We went from granite countertops to Formica real fast. <laughs> Had we counted the cost before, we wouldn't have been having such an appetite for things we could never afford. 
So Jesus says there's a banquet coming, but he says, what are you willing to build to get to the banquet? I'll prove it to you. He says, for which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. That's the key word here, desiring to build. Many of us in this room desire to build something great, a great marriage, a great relationship, a great academic career, a great business that will serve customers, a great practice that will bring health to your clients. All of us desire to build something, but what are we willing to build to do it? What are we willing to go to to get to this banquet? And Christ is asking us today, have you pondered how sacrificial the call of Christ is on your life? How has it altered your appetites and altered your life? In our 21st century westernized version of American Christianity, we don't think about the cost enough. The Greek word of the sentence that we just read talks about contemplation. In other words, that you have to calculate the real cost before the project commences. You got to think about it. How do you complete the task, the time spent, the physical effort that's expended, relationships that would be impacted? Now, we just built our first permanent location in New York, which is amazing. Look at this beautiful building you guys have here. And if there's anything about building projects, you know two things. They always take longer to complete, and they always cost more than you expected. So why do we think that we can microwave our spirituality? Why do we want to be overcomers overnight when we serve a rotisserie God? Who's trying to slow cook us into the disciples that we need to be? Ladies and gentlemen, we need to think about the banquet and what we're willing to build. But Jesus says something else. What are you willing to battle? He says, what king going out to encounter another king at war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Because to get to this banquet, we're going to have to build and battle. And all of us know about battles, don't we? If you're married, you definitely know about battles. You could go into battle just thinking about and arguing about what you're going to watch on Netflix this week and why somebody else watched an episode ahead of you and you got to get caught up now. You know how many people are on the brink of divorce because of that? If you're a parent, you know what the battles are. Just getting your kids maybe here today was a battle. How many of us have ever looked at our 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds and thought, is it too late to give them up for adoption? Is it... Is it just me? Okay, well, all right. Can you stretch your hands forward and pray for me? Because life is a battle. Forgiving somebody that hurts you is a battle. Getting over a habit, a hang-up, or an addiction is a battle. We all battle our preferences, but consideration isn't costly. And most wars are not quickly won. They're drawn out. And so Jesus says, what are you willing to build and battle to get to the banquet? And he keeps pressing on. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Ladies and gentlemen in this house, the call of Christianity is not to add more things to our life. The call of Christianity is to subtract more things from our lives. To renounce some stuff. What does it mean to renounce? It means to declare abandonment, a right or a possession, to reject or to stop consuming. And that's what God is after today. For us not to be consumers, but to be more contributors. Because the church in America is known for what it rebukes, but it's not known enough for self-renouncing. 
for denying ourselves. And Jesus says, if you're going to love me, everything else has to be a distant second. Carrying your cross, hating your own life, all of these things. So how do you make it practical? My friend Pastor Mike says it this way. He says, read your Bible and do what it says. So deep. You need submarines for that, don't you? You're like, that's so deep. I need scuba gear. Read your Bible and do what it says because there's an invitation to this grand banquet. And the only way to build and the only way to battle is how you interpret God's word. Listen, Jesus calls us to a life that's expansive. But it's also expensive. I'm from the Bronx, can you tell? It's the home of hip-hop music. And I love going to weddings where they play one of my favorite rappers. His name is Fat Joe. He's got this song, lean back, lean back, I'm all the way up. He got that other one too. I'm not going to get into that now because I don't want to intimidate y'all with my dancing skills, okay? And so that Joe was watching these two rap groups battle a couple years ago. And, and, and it was this group called the Dipset versus this group called the Locks. The leader of the Locks' name is Jadakiss. And Jadakiss annihilated the other rap group in the rap battle. And so Fat Joe's commenting to people that want to book Jada Kiss in the future. He gives them notice. He says in a classic Bronx, New York accent, he says, yesterday's prices is not today's prices. The price has gone up. You want to get Jada Kiss? Yesterday's prices is not today's prices. The price has gone up. I feel like that's what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to the coastal community. <laughs> Yesterday's prices is not today's prices. I know you became a Christian 10 years ago, but 10 years ago price is not today's price. To be a follower of Jesus, the price has gone up. I know you've been a Christian for 20 years, but the price has gone up. I know you've been a Christian for maybe five months, but the price has gone up. Every day, there's going to be a different requirement of prayer, of focus, of staying plugged into community, of attending and worshiping with other people. Yesterday's prices is not today's prices. Uh, all right. Okay. This is coastal community, and so I just know my church has issues. Y'all don't got no issues. The one that I pastor. You know what? The church I pastor, I, we have a, a good contingency of people I like to call fixed-rate mortgage Christians. They lock in at one price, and they hold on to that price for the rest of their spiritual lives. They only come to church twice a month. They only give a certain amount. They only serve when they feel convicted. <laughs> they're locked in at one price, fixed-rate mortgage Christians. I know they're not here in Florida, but, man, in New York. We even have something else in my church. You want to know what they're called? I call them this. They're called refi Christians. They're always trying to get us to reduce the price but get the same amount of stuff. So how many times do I actually have to come to church to be saved? How many times do I have to go to a life group? Can I get everything at a lower price but still get the bounty and the blessing? Can I ask you a question today? Do you receive more ministry from this church than you give to this church? Because then we probably fall into a category. And I know, guys, this is probably only for people in New York. And, and I have to apologize to you because so many New Yorkers have moved to Florida and messed up your great state. 
it used to just be the snowbirds, and then all of a sudden we have this pandemic, and everybody comes down here with their nasty attitudes and traffic and just, ugh, I'm sorry. It hurt me too. I mean, the Texodus, which was everybody leaving New York to go move to Texas, and then everybody coming here to Florida. I almost thought about starting a campus here. But I, I thought about leaving New York too during the pandemic. And so what we'd use is a cost of living indicator online. Have you ever seen one of those things? So think about this. If you put in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, moving to, okay, <laughs> moving to Ocala, Florida, you like, girl, pack up right now. <laughs> put the kids in the bag. Put them in the suitcase. But if you put in Ocala, Florida, moving to Greenpoint, Brooklyn, you're like, I am going to live in the Sunshine State for the rest of my life. Why? Because of the cost differential. When you see how much it's going to cost to move into a place that even you desire to be, but the cost is so high, it's easy to stay put. My God, I feel like preaching now. There are some of us that have been looking about moving into a place of happiness and joy and peace and no anxiety, but it's going to cost you some of the friends that you've been around. It's going to cost you to stop gossiping. It's going to cost you to get more focus on the Bible. It's going to cost, oh, you're not hearing me in this place. I wish some people that were in this room today wanted to get out of your depression, wanted to get out of your hopelessness, wanted to get out of your pain, but it's going to, and as a matter of fact, can I push you right Right now, maybe it's going to cost you standing up on your feet for 10 seconds, throwing your head back in the air and just giving God some praise. It's going to cost you to get out of what you're in, to get into what God has for you. I wish I had some people that would be Pentecostal for just about 10 seconds. I don't care if you're Roman Catholic. I don't care if you're Southern Baptist. I think God needs a shout. Thank you for relapsing with me. Feels good. Jesus never gives us a challenge without giving us a promise. He says, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Here it is, though, with persecutions. Because none of our salvation is absent of suffering. But with persecutions, in the age to come, eternal life. Because consideration isn't costly, but discipleship is. So let's get to the purpose of the series that we've been in so far. Have you noticed that the sneaker market has gone crazy? Anybody? I know it because I was out in the lobby looking at some of the sneakers y'all were wearing. And... The Bronx was about to relapse in me. I wanted to break ankles and steal. And I was like, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke myself, right? Like, y'all got some nice sneakers up in here. And the sneaker market has gone crazy. My daughter is a sneakerhead. And she's always telling me about how many sneakers were made in this one colorway, how many units were made, and, you know, the different collabs and all this stuff. Unbelievable. Some of these sneakers could cost, like, $1,500, like, crazy like for that kind of money those sneakers better wash my clothes for me better walk the dog fifteen hundred dollars 
it's crazy. Throw him some of those sneakers. I, I want to show you some if you don't believe me. Some of there goes them Yeezys and the Jordans and, 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 and the off-white Jordans with the Christian Dior. I mean, it is unbelievable. I was at this church, and I saw this guy with some really cool sneakers on. So I walk up to him, and, you know, I want to give him a compliment. You know how people are when they have, you know, nice sneakers on and they know it. He was kind of like... You know, licking his lips a whole lot. Yeah, thanks. So I'm like, dude, those sneakers are amazing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so he's like, what size you wear, man? I said an eight. He was all just walked away. And so the next day, I'm at the church preaching, and he, he, he comes back with the sneakers in a size 8. Look at that. These jokers ain't no joke, man. Look at that. Snake skin. Crocodile. Rabbit. Alpaca. Mountain lion. I call these my Carol Baskin Jordans. <laughs> and I want to help y'all because the sneaker market is a big deal. It's like people invest in sneakers now. There's a website called StockX. You can trade and buy sneakers. Some of you think your kids are selling drugs. No, they're selling Nikes. <laughs> Those boxes are not drugs. And so I got to help you invest your money so that you can make a difference in the kingdom of God. And there's one big rule about sneakers that everybody should know, especially when you're buying expensive sneakers. The one golden rule about sneakers and investing in sneakers is that you cannot get a crease. No, 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 no. You can't get a crease in these bad boys. That's why I stuff all of my sneakers. Oh, yeah, thank you. I got a good amen from a sneakerhead back there. Why you think I'm not wearing these sneakers today? I would have been coming to church like, hey, coastal community. <laughs> so good to be with Pastor Sailor. <laughs> just walking up steps sideways, just toes in here. Trying not to crease my sneakers because it devalues the cost. That's why you got to get running shoes that you don't care about. You remember getting married and that proposal? Some of you, her girl back there was like, no, I don't. That's why I'm at church today. I'm trying to find me a man so I can get proposed to. But the proposal was supposed to be gorgeous and beautiful, right? It's supposed to be lovely. Well, one guy went viral recently because he proposed to his girlfriend. He got all of his boys together. He got all of his, her girlfriends together. He got a photographer and everything. Got dressed real fly. You know, he's like, I got this. I'm going to make this memorable. And he had his friends take a picture of the proposal. I brought it for you. It's right here. Throw it up.
Give him the closer. He's like, girl, I love you more than anything else, but these Jordans I got on. He didn't want to get a crease in the thing that he loved more than the person he was proposing to. The ring cost more than the Jordans, but because he loved the Jordans more, he took off the thing that he had more affection for. And we look at this picture, we kind of laugh, but it's a picture of our spirituality. Because many of us say that we're surrendered to Jesus. Father, I'm surrendered. I, I know you're the way maker. And we're down on one knee and Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, then why won't you crease in that one area? You say you love me, but can you crease in your sports addiction? Can you crease in your fashion addiction? Can you crease in your political allegiance? Can you crease in your gym membership? Can you crease in your opinion? Because Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, how could you be crucified with me if you won't crease for me? And for many of us, we keep stuffing things into that one area, into that one thing that God wants to get a hold of, but we want to protect ourselves. And this is why the scripture says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have broadened my understanding. In other words, what God is trying to get us to do is to run toward him, not careful about creasing what matters to us. And God is saying, you're making walking with me and running with me look weird to the world. Because we're doing this. And God's like, I want you to run. And the only way for you to run is not care about what's expensive, not care about your own life, not care about these things increase in the areas. It is free to be saved, but it is costly to be sanctified. So here's what I say to my runners today. One guy came to Jesus and said, follow me. He said, Lord, let me go bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. You must go proclaim the kingdom of God. If you're going to run with me, you got to run forward. To another, he says, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me bid farewell to my family. Jesus says, no, if you run backwards, you can never run with me. No one who is fit to plow in the kingdom of God looks backwards. You have to. And so many of us are praying for increase in our lives, an increase in relationships, an increase in finances. And God says, you don't need an increase. You need a crease. So what is it that you've been protecting and holding on to and saying, hey, I want to run with you, God, but I'm just so afraid to let this one thing that I love so much, you just keep stuffing it with your insecurity, with your passion, with your love. Here's a picture of me and my wife and my pastors at that wedding. It was an amazing, amazing time. Isn't my wife so beautiful? Look at her in that black and pink. Girl, I'm coming home tonight. Ooh. See, my pastors invited us to the wedding, but it was more expensive for my pastors to host the wedding banquet than it was for us to go to it. Because they were giving away their only daughter. <laughs> and they had to pay for all the limos and all the money and the food and the DJ and all that stuff. All we did was show up. Guess what? There's coming a wedding that has already been paid for by the Father who is giving away 
his one and only son to us today in this service. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. All you've got to do is crease and God will give you what you need. Why are Christians not running the right way? I met this kid after church and, and I had on some cool sneakers and he said, hey bro, do you have some of these? I said, no. He's like, you got all those creases. You need to wear these. And this is what the American church wants, to have crease protectors. So that we can run and make everybody think we're running equally, but we're doing everything we can not to be sacrificial to the level that God has called us. Can I get some of us today to get rid of your crease protector? so that you can run forward with faith. Pastor Shale is getting ready to come right now, and I'm just going to ask you today, what's the area that you've been stuffing? What's the thing that you've been holding on to? What's the crease protector that you have in your life that God's trying to get you rid of? Everybody with your head bowed right now, i got to get out of the way. Everybody with your head bowed. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every person that's in this room that wants to build and battle to go to the banquet that you have before us, would you help us to crease in that key area so that we can follow you completely in Jesus' name. Amen.